0: Have you ever obtained grace that you didn't deserve? Have you ever obtained grace that you didn't deserve? Maybe every day. (laughs) Paul says. Paul is saying that he obtained grace that he didn't deserve. He didn't deserve it for what he had done that shouldn't belong in his camp. But he realized the power that was behind it in Christ. And he wasn't ashamed to claim that. Even among those who were his teachers, the Pharisees, he wasn't ashamed to say, look, I have all the history, I have all the credentials to be just like you. But he says, I'm not. I'm not anymore. I've changed. I met Christ on the Damascus Road. And I committed my life to him forevermore. Paul is insisting that it is the Christians and not the Jews Who are truly circumcised. And who are truly the covenant people. And who have a unique relationship with God. It's not all the history behind him or all the history before his ancestors. Or even before that. It's the history that started with him when he turned his life over to Christ. Paul is telling them and us that... We can't make it into heaven riding on our parents' faith or our parents' coattails. We have to make the choice ourselves how much we want to follow God. How much you want to follow God. If Paul's opponents were going to try and argue, they might have said, well, you're a Christian. Therefore, you don't know what you're talking about, Paul. You don't know what it means to be a Jew. But he establishes his credentials about his past because it changed his future eventually when he met Christ. He knowingly and willingly abandoned what was in his past for the cause of Christ. And you know, I don't think he had any regrets. I really don't think he did. Because when you start reading the book of Acts, you start reading some of Paul's epistles in the New Testament, you can see that he lived Easter every day. He lived the resurrected Christ every day. wonder what happens if we would do that. What would happen if we lived Easter every day? The resurrection of Christ. Paul may have been a trained as a Pharisee, but after his experience on Damascus Road, he changed his focus, his direction, and his love. He let God change his heart completely. And he focused his attention not on the world, not on his income, not on his business, but on following God. <coughs> I remember the day just as it happened this morning. when I told my mother a lie, and she found out. I knew better. I was 18 years old, but I wanted to prove myself better than what I was. I'd been out hunting with some men. There were foxes that had um, kind of accumulated in the area, and some farmers, local farmers, it was bothering their livestock, the foxes were. And um, so they'd gotten permission to hunt some of the foxes, to remove them so their livestock would be safe. And so I went hunting with them on several occasions, and on this one occasion when I got home, I said, Mom, I killed one of the foxes. I didn't think she'd ever find out, but she did. About a week later, she was talking to one of those fox hunter men that I'd been with, and They said, Rusty didn't kill one of those foxes. You know, I knew better than to say what I'd said. But I just wanted to let mom be proud of me. I wanted her to be proud of me. I wanted to elevate myself to a higher level in the family. And she just said, Rusty, you lied. You can't do that. That's wrong. And I remember the hurt that I felt. But I remember seeing the hurt on her face. You know, there is a guilt that feels like a cement block can press down on your soul and your chest, a millstone around your neck. I felt terrible for being alive. I was guilty. I'll put it this way. I did bad. And for a while, I concluded that I was bad. Most, if not all of us, have been down that road, probably, where we have not done the right thing. Maybe once or twice. Guilty. Max Ocotto wrote, What tempted you? What sucked you under? Did you pocket money you didn't receive or deserve? Did you pocket money you didn't deserve? <laughs> Maybe your guilt is the result of a not a moment in life but of a season in life. You failed as a parent, you blew it in your career, and you feel guilty. Paul the apostle, think about what he did. But grace was given to him. Grace he received. Think about Adam and Eve. The first occasion of anxiety can be attributed to guilt. In Genesis 3.8 we read that Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden and they hid themselves among the trees. Why did they do that? What happened to this first family? Until this point there was no indication that they felt fear or trepidation. They'd never hidden from God before. They didn't have to hide anything. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't you like to never feel shame? We know the story about the first couple yielding to the temptation and the serpent. And when they did, their world collapsed like an accordion. You ever seen those accordions? They just collapsed just like that. No air, no life, no music, no dancing, no nothing. They scurried to the bushes and went into hiding full of dread of shame. You ever got your hand caught in a cookie jar as a child? You ever took, taken one of those cookies when you knew you weren't supposed to? We're talking about something a lot deeper than that, that's right. But you, you understand, Adam and Eve kind of got their hand caught in the serpent's desires. And Adam and Eve didn't know how to process their failure. And sometimes we don't either. We don't know how to process the failure. We may not duck into the bushes like Adam and Eve did, but sometimes we try and deny what we've done. We install a cover up plan to hide the bad choice, or we attempt to minimize the damage. Oh, we really didn't do that bad. We just made a bad decision. We just got off course. We had a lapse of judgment. And some people try to bury their mistakes, just pile on more work and more work and more work and more work and just kind of push it over to the side and hope it never comes up again. Any of these or others don't teach us how to treat the real failure that we've faced. Adam and Eve hid behind fig leaves, bushes, and lies, and not much really has changed. I've often wondered what would have happened if my mom would not have confronted me, if she wouldn't have said that was wrong, if she wouldn't have said, Rusty, you lied. I'm ashamed of you. I wonder what would have happened if she would not have done anything about it. Would I have told another lie and another lie? And another lie? Probably. Because I got away with it. I think God disciplines us sometimes in our lives so we can be stronger later. Of course, this incident with my mom. And she wanted me to be stronger later, she wanted me to walk the right path. And I think God wants us to walk the right path holiness and righteousness. David wrote a psalm after his encounter with Bathsheba. Remember that situation with David and Bathsheba? And he wrote, this is what the king wrote in the 32nd Psalm. When I I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. And I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Guilt drains life. Where guilt drains life, grace, God's grace, grace from a mom, grace from a friend, grace from a brother, grace from a neighbor, grace restores it. But there's nothing greater than God's grace. Grace, God's grace. The Apostle Paul clung to that grace. To the degree that he believed in the sovereignty of God 100%. And he relied on God's mercy. Another day. Another opportunity to make his life better. Full of mercy and grace. He relied on God's power not his own. He just kind of turned it over to God. Today's text explains Paul's feelings. Paul had had blood on his hands, but no longer was it there. He said, "I'm sorry," and received the light that Christ had for him. He could now see the value he, he could not see the value in his resume anymore, and he could not justify his works anymore, and he could not see any option except to follow Christ and give up his past. I guess we could say Paul became an instrument of grace to many other people. And isn't that what we're supposed to do? When God's grace has touched us, aren't we to be graceful to others? Now, there has to be a point in time when somebody says, Oh, I was wrong, or I'm sorry, just like I had to, or just like we have to. But then there's a point when we've received this grace, we just don't keep it ourselves. Have any of you ever not made a mistake? I'm not going to hold up my hand. Have you never not made a mistake? Have you ever received grace? Has the grace of God touched your life to help you be a better person? Oh, wow. Marvelous grace. Paul would say to all of us, rejoice in the Lord. Always rejoice. Place your heart, your faith upon the grace of God alone. A happy saint is one who is at the same time aware of the severity of sin, but also the immensity of grace. We realize that we mess up, right? We realize that we mess up, but we also have the immensity of grace when we're following Christ. Sin and its consequences are not diminished, but neither and never is God's ability to forgive. God's grace is fertile soil from which courage sprouts. God's readiness to give and forgive is now public. Salvation and power are free to claim as ourselves. Because God had his son die and raise from the tomb. I can bear witness to this grace, and I'm sure many of you can too. I can take you to the spot in our house where mom scolded me, right there in the kitchen. She confronted me when I was coming down the stairs, turning into the kitchen, getting ready to eat breakfast. And she didn't mince words. But I can also take you to a few days later where she offered me grace. And she says, I forgive you, but don't do it again. Grace. It needs to be offered. It's the way to heaven. Now, I continue to mess up. I continue to make mistakes. And so do we. But the power of grace is greater than all our... Wow. Think about that. And Paul, the apostle, became a light, a beacon, a stalwart in starting churches wherever he went. He gave life through Christ. That strengthens me. There's a reason why your windshield in your vehicle is bigger than your rearview mirror. There's a reason why your windshield is bigger than your rearview mirror, right? Your future is more important than your past. Your future with Christ is more important than what's happened in your past. That's why the windshield's so big. And that's why that review here is only has a small picture. God's grace is greater than your sin. Choose God every day. Allow me to indulge you just a little bit more with the story from Henry Nowen. Henry Nowen is a writer. He worked with uh, people that uh, were invalids. Uh, if you haven't read some of his work, he's got some great books out there. But he also had gone to see a, some trapeze artists known as the flying Rodlays, And he had seen them fly with such poise that he asked one of them, one of the trapeze artists, what was the secret to flying so well? And the answer is a little long, but let me read the entire answer. And this is the trapeze artist's response. The secret is that the flyer does nothing and the catcher does everything. When I fly to my catcher, I simply stretch out my arms and hands and wait for him to catch me and pull me safely upon the apron. The worst thing a flyer can do is try to catch the catcher. I'm not supposed to catch Joe. It is Joe's task to catch me. If I grab Joe's wrist, I might break it. A flyer must fly. A catcher must catch. The flyer must trust the catcher, and he will be there for him. See the parallel? God is more than a great trapeze catcher. He's full of grace, just ready to hand it out and give it to you. But we are the flyers. We must trust, period. We rely solely upon God's ability to catch us. Each and every day, and when we do, wonderful things can happen in our heart, in our soul, and in our reaching out to others. God provides a strong grip. Are you willing to grab a let Him grab a hold of you, and trust Him fully and completely? He's not going to drop you. He's not going to let you fall. And as the Apostle proclaimed, and the Lord will continue to rescue me from every trip, trap, snare, and pitfall of evil and carry me safely to this heavenly kingdom. So we should be rejoicing. Rejoicing that the Lord is there for all of us. That he is present. That he is able. And he's ready to carry us through this life. With grace, God's grace is greater than we can ever imagine.